very special edition today. Um, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Sam Briggs. Hi, Sam. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, we're just going to have sort of a bit of a chit chat, talk about uh, CrossFit training and different things in life. Um, we've got a, a rough script, um, but we'll we'll see where we end up and where we go to. Um, Sam, I just want to start off by asking you your favourite joke. My favourite joke. Oh no! no. You're on the Red Pill podcast is the it's the important part of it. You could have prepared me. I uh, left it out on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember your bad jokes. Sorry, did you say bad jokes? Bad dad jokes. Okay, I didn't hear the. Okay, are they bad? Uh, some of them were pretty bad. Okay. Did you have a favourite of the Red Pill bad dad jokes then? I can't remember them now. You've put me on the spot. Okay. So uh, maybe one will come back to me by the end. <laughs> um. Why do you get up and do it every day, mate? I enjoy it. Do you love it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why not? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think it was Rory McKern that once said that CrossFitters have something mentally wrong with them in order for us to get up every day and want to enjoy that pain. But, yeah, I truly enjoy training. I love pushing myself and... I love the feeling when you achieve something, like you set a goal and you reach that goal. Um, There's nothing better, especially when you've uh, been injured or something like that and you've had those taken away from you to then come back and be able to be back at the level that you want to be. It makes it even more sweeter. Yeah, I can imagine. So is it every day? I mean, of course, there's good days and bad days, but is that sort of passion in you? Is is it in there every day, that, that fight that you described there? Is it, it, does it ever get, I don't want to do it today. Do you ever get those days where it's, or, or, or do, you, do you have that attitude? Can you have that every single day? Is it possible to maintain that? I think I'd be lying if I said that every day I want to get up and go to the gym, but it's those days when you wake up and you don't want to go to the gym that end up being your best days. Do you have a, do you sort of, are you quite harsh with yourself? Are you quite sympathetic with yourself? Do you sort of give yourself a kick up the backside or do you do you speak to yourself gently or how do you get in and do that? Because, um, I mean, it's, it, I say it's easy for you. It appears easy for you, but for, for a lot of other people listening, perhaps it's not as easy. I'm a creature of habit. So once you're in that routine, that it then becomes easier. So it's just normal for me to get up and go train. Yeah. So even on days when I'm like, ah... Oh, Really don't want to today, especially when it's cold here and the gym's freezing. You're like, I really don't want to. But I know that once I've got up, once I've got in there and I've started training, that everything feels back to normal. You're doing what you're meant to be doing. So you don't have that sort of internal battle or conversation with yourself. You just sort of rely on the routine that you've always done it and it it just happens. Yeah, I don't think I've ever not gone and done a training session unless I've been ill and not been able to to get in. I've always I've always done um, what I've needed to do. So how how critical are you of yourself in the training of sort of like after training? Do you do you analyse a lot what you've what you've done or what you haven't done, or do you beat yourself up or can you let go quite quickly? And uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm probably very critical of myself during training. Uh, and sometimes it can be frustrating if um, your lifting session isn't going as smoothly as you wanted or you're not able to hit the numbers that you want or you're doing a gymnastic session and you can't hit the 
the reps that you're meant to be hitting. Um, it can be frustrating, but I think I'm good at, at when I finish the session, kind of wiping it so I don't carry it through. Uh, like I don't overanalyze when I'm back home. It's not that I can't sleep at night because I'm like, oh, I didn't get those snatches that I was meant to get today. Okay. So you can you can sort of let go quite quickly from yeah. it. Um, do you get sort of um, stroppy or angry at yourself in training? Do you do you, do you sort of do you sort of um, feel is it quite are you quite cold around your training? Is it sort of quite sort of you sort of I asked you about um, how do you get there in the morning? You said it sort of just happens. Do you, do you have when you're in training there? Do you do you have expectations? Do you look at your training and go, I should be doing this today? And, and in the session, moving from one set to the next set, can you let go of the set prior and just focus and, and do one thing at a time? Or does it affect you? Uh, I think sometimes it affects you more than others. Um, I tend to feel that if I'm training with other people or all the sessions that made a little bit more like fun, um, like training in a group or something like that, it's a lot easier to move on and to think, all right, that was one bad lift, but it's fine, we've got this to do next, or I'll push on. I think those days when it is cold in the gym, you are by yourself, then it's a lot harder because you're wanting the training session to be good to make up for everything else feeling that you might have a niggle, something might be aching, something you're feeling tired. Um, so you, you're looking for some, you're looking for a positive to come out of the training. So if your training is not going well as well, then it's a lot easier to be more critical. Whereas if everything else is around you and the actual training environment that you're in is already um, more positive, and then it's a lot easier to uh, dismiss like what you've just done and move on to the next thing. So how much um, preparation goes into your training environment? Like how much do you think about being in warm weather, being in a group, traveling? How much, how much, how much time do you use on that? Do you, do you place, obviously listening to you place a huge importance on being in a group, not training your own and not being cold. Do you, do you travel after it? Uh, I can see you've just been in Dubai and had some sessions in Dubai there. Is, is that worth doing for you? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I know when I travel, I don't like to be there for a short space of time. I'd rather get settled and create that new routine. Yeah. I, I like having like set plans and set routines. So like when I went to Australia for the competition, I was out there three weeks before so that I'd already established a routine. I'd, I'd established everything so I felt comfortable and I kind of felt at home before I competed. How many how many days do you have, or how how many days do you have training alone in cold before before it starts to affect your training? Do you do you have many days? Is it one two? Can can you do it? How, what's the period of time you would sort of say right? That's enough now. I need to move on, and I need to I need to travel. I know it from coaching cyclists, for example. We we don't have many days riding in the snow before the guys are on a plane and they're going south to to ride the mountains. Is it the same for CrossFit? Uh, I think sometimes you just have to get on with it it's like it is what it is um, we live I mean it's not like I'm in Iceland and I'm in darkness as well <laughs> so there is there is worse places to train but uh, yeah our gyms aren't heated our gyms are ice boxes and but that's that's how I started and it does get miserable but that's when 
having some training partners or having something then to look forward to. So I knew um, I knew after Dubai, when I came back, I only had um, two weeks before I went to Australia. So it's, it's making plans and then it's like, okay, it's gonna be freezing cold for this amount of time, but then I get to go here or... There's a carrot at or, the end of it. Yeah. Or then so-and-so is coming to train with me or then I'm gonna be doing this. So. It's like, okay, it's going to be cold and hard, but once I get through, then we've got this to look forward to. So, so how often do you train alone in the cold versus with a partner? Do you do your sort of technical work alone and then sort of do your wad work with people or does, how, how does that work? Uh, it's just varied, really. Um, I'd say most of my training is done alone. Um, one thing that I do look forward to is some of my conditioning sessions uh, people will join in and on a Saturday we have uh, what we call team training at the gym and we normally have like anywhere between there'll be five of us to 20 of us training and I normally get in the gym early get most of my skill work done and then the rest of the training is done in a team environment and then we all go out for food afterwards and that's my Saturday done and I really look forward to that so training alone and in the cold through the week is bearable knowing that I then get to have fun and have a laugh personalized programming we have our team of red pill coaches available to help you with your performance needs regardless of your competitive level please get in touch at redpilltraining.com moving on slightly we, we talked we did a uh, our previous podcast we talked about the new changes in crossfit and the the sanctionals and the whole system there um and and would that potentially create a divide between those that could afford to uh, earn the prize money and live professionally versus those who are working putting that to one side and sort of talking about crossfit as it has been rather than the new format how difficult has it been or how difficult is it for young athletes or or athletes coming through to try and live professionally and compete against people who are doing this full-time who have sponsorships etc how difficult is it to get into CrossFit and be a professional because I see you as a professional athlete um, I think now it's a lot easier than it was um, these changes potentially could make it worse again but we won't know until maybe a year two years down the line yeah. how that's going to affect things but the growth of CrossFit and the growth of functional fitness um, has now opened more doors that people can enter the sport as a professional. Uh, It wasn't until uh, after winning the games in 2013 that I was able to take that leap and become a professional athlete. Uh, One of the like hardest years financially was when I made the decision um, to go all in for the 2013 games, which was obviously what it needed to take because that's when I won that year. But uh, before that, I was working full-time as a firefighter. Uh, We opened a gym and I was coaching any spare hours I had and then trying to train as an athlete full-time. 
how how what is the difference between that i mean how much for you just personal opinion how 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 much is it being able to sleep and rest between sessions and, and relax versus working every time? Is it? I mean, difficult to put a percentage on it, but, but is it the difference? That it, that was the massive difference. That was uh, what I needed. It's the recovery. You can. You, I still had the uh, enough time to do the training. So um, my the hours that I was training didn't change. It was just the quality of recovery between sessions improved, especially being a firefighter, I'd be working nights and you have two busy uh, nights in a row, then my four days off, it would take two of those days before I was feeling 100% to put more effort into my training. Yeah, so so for the future of, if we're calling it functional racing or fitness or CrossFit, whatever it is, the future of it for the standards, we'll, we need to have the, the athletes professional living from it just to increase the standard that it would drive the sport and, and make it a better spectators uh, sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's the same with uh, any sport, really. If people are able to... Uh, recover properly in between sessions they can then put more effort into their sessions so then ultimately they're going to become better athletes great so on that recovery note um, and getting recovery and, and moving on to training the sort of the next day and everything else like that how do you stop um, like I'm lucky enough I've been on camps with you and I've seen you train and I've seen your eyes light up on different sessions and stuff and, and I had it myself I mean one of one of my big problems when I trained was I was I was never doing enough I always had that horrible feeling that I should be doing more and and, and I found it very very difficult to balance um, when to stop especially when I was self-programming um, I always overtrained and my performance suffered massively because of it how how do you manage that process and that drive to want to be doing more I mean I've never worked with an elite athlete that doesn't have that uh, drive to do more but how do you what do you do and and, and how do you cope with that process uh, I can't say that I'm 100% on top of that, but I'm <laughs> definitely a lot better than I used to be. Uh, I think the main thing is um, obviously finding a coach or coaching team that you believe in and, and trust and have two-way communication because um, the coach... Um, will program you but if you're not honest with them how you're feeling then like for one you that you may not be getting enough you may be capable of more or they could be giving you stuff and you could still be overtraining but hiding it yeah so it definitely is a two-way communication you need to be honest about how things are feeling and how much you can take on um but yeah, I think it's finding that, that right team that's, that you gel with. Um, yeah. One coach won't be the same coach that's ideal for everybody. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so is, is, do you, when, when is, it, is it in training that you get the sort of desire to do more or is it after training? Is it, so when, when does that, for me, it was always while I was training, I was fine and I felt like I was being good to myself. And the second I finished training, all I could think about was why I wasn't training or why I wasn't doing more. And, and it's, I, I talk about it because it's, it's something that still affects me now. And I know I, it, it cost me quite a lot. Um, and I still have that sort of excessive attitude or to a lot of other things to do now. Um, when you um, when you get those feelings, do you, do you again, do you, do you do anything? Do you talk, do you call, do you call Joust? Do you phone him? Do you do a little bit extra or do you satisfy the need or do you make deals with yourself or, or is it just that you trust the coaching process enough that it, it, like you said before it's just a routine and I just don't do it um, no I'll talk to Joust and I'll be 
saying that I don't think I'm doing enough or that we need to be doing more. Um, I think my problem is, unless I feel beat up, I don't feel like I've done enough. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to hurt, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, So can can, can we sustain that? I mean, you're you keep bouncing back from from injuries have have your injuries got I mean I know my injuries for example are because of the stupid stuff I've done with training and and not having a coaching team around me I thought I was clever enough to do it myself a lot of the time um, and I wasn't um, so a lot of the injuries you had because of that feeling or are they just unlucky or 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 what I think for um, the men um, it's just years of repetitive use I've been uh, competitive in sports since I was tiny Um, I've always wanted to do things and I've always wanted to do things to the extreme Um, yeah I mean even when I played football I would run or cycle to work then cycle to training then do two hours of training cycle home and during that day I would have been at work and we'd have had fitness training twice during that day and then we'd have had any jobs that we've been called out to and yeah. I'd still be like oh I want to do more yeah for, for everybody at home who's, um, who's who's listening to this unfortunately there's Sam has a huge smile on her face as she's talking about doing too much training which is which is slightly, slightly concerning <laughs> um, so so with with the um, with the injuries um, are injuries as an elite sports person just inevitable is it just part of the game? Do you just accept it as every top football player, every top golfer or rugby player or whatever is, has injuries? Do, do you, when, when, when the injuries come, is it just part of being elite? Is it sort of a, a, a byproduct of the job? Uh, I think so. I think whenever you're going to be doing something to the extreme, then the risks of injury increase. Yeah. And that's that's the risk that we take we're pushing our bodies beyond what would be the norm, norm. Yeah. yeah yeah okay so so you don't ever have that in the back of your mind you're able just to sort of block that out and just go and go hard and, it, and, and with with more in injuries and also as you as you as you get slightly older um does it does it play more in your mind now or are you still as sort of fearless as you was at, at 19 20 I don't think I've ever been fearless, but um, I think we try and do um, as much as we can to try and prevent these injuries. Uh, that's why I work with yourself and Jaws, because we try and make sure that we're at least moving or performing uh, as best as we can so that we're at a lower risk of, of injury. Um, how many um, hours a week are you doing? How much? I mean, how, many, how much time out of your week are you using on injury prevention or prehabilitation? Uh, at the moment, I'm going through a build phase, so there's quite a lot of uh, movement mechanics stuff in there. Uh, on a general day, I at least do uh, an hour, like before I even start training, of all the mobs and stuff. So that's that's just on a, a normal day, and then there's additional stuff for each session that I'm then doing on top of that. So are you um, also doing your own food preparation? Uh, I work with a meal prep company, okay. which 
definitely saves a lot of time. Yeah, because I'm just starting to sort of add up the hours of how many, how, what's a typical hours training week? How many hours are you using if you sort of like someone goes to work nine to five um, from leaving the house? How, how many hours a, a day are you using on training with transport and logistical work and ordering and equipment and everything else like that? The, it definitely is uh, like your normal nine to five job that's not sustainable now to be able to work and do the training that I'm I'm doing. So what does a typical day look like? So you do obviously just said you do the movement mechanics for an hour in the morning. Uh, yeah, so at the moment, uh, so in this build phase, my morning would be get up, do my movement mechanics, and then it's anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour of um, like bike or ski or row, uh, and then I have two additional sessions. Uh, both of about 90 minutes of a strength session and then a, a gymnastics session. And so how do you how do you stay on top of that? Do you sleep in between sessions? Do you eat in between sessions, just relax and sort of hang out with the guys or are they one, one after the other? And uh, This intensity session, I don't need to nap in between. I'm, I'm quite okay to, to get in training. Uh, normally have a bit of downtime, uh, maybe like an hour to 90 minutes between sessions of just uh, relaxing, chilling out, getting food in. And um, the only time is more in the run-up to competitions when there's a lot more intensity in there that I might need to uh, go home in between, like halfway in the session and have have a nap and have a proper break in between the training sessions just so that I can then give the next session the full intensity that it is needed and that's seven days a week right yeah uh, uh, less on a Thursday and Sunday but still still doing stuff so so in terms of sort of a working week a sort of 40 hour working week you you're well over that aren't you yeah probably yeah yeah. <laughs> it's just, I just think it's interesting for people listening at home to, for them to understand that it's a job and that it's yeah. you know I mean I do 25-30 minutes training a day and it's enough but, but for you guys you are doing it is a nine to five. It is forty hours a week of, of some kind of work. It's not necessarily training the whole time, but it's trying to get better or improve or sleeping, and that's part of the job. Um, yeah. I think people are interested in that. Um, what does Sam Briggs say to nineteen-year-old Sam Briggs now? If you could sit over from yourself and uh, talk, what do you what do you guys talk about? Uh, I'd probably tell myself to start having some gymnastics lessons <laughs> I think that's the that's been one of the biggest things uh, like I didn't start CrossFit until I was 27 yeah so um, I already had a decent engine base and uh, I think the biggest thing for me and it's something that I still struggle with is just body awareness which I think gymnastics teaches yeah teaches young people um, just being aware of what your body is doing especially when you're upside down yeah uh, and then that transfers over if you're aware of where your body is and what you're doing over into the Olympic lifts so I think that has a really good transfer over into everything yeah. so the earlier I would have started gymnastics the, the better, better. Um, so, so that's from a from a from a fitness point of view but what about from just a general life point of view what about from a um, what wouldn't you do again <laughs> uh, I can't say that there's things that I don't regret but everything happens for a reason yeah. and 
Um, even though I kind of went off the fitness path for a little while and down the party path, I came back and ultimately it led me to where I was. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't change anything now because the Sam now is happy and enjoying life and loving what I do. So yeah. So you wouldn't be the same person ultimately. So you'd be. No, I think yeah. yeah. I think if I changed anything, then where I am now would change. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you Stick smiling. with it. Yeah. So, uh, where is Sam Briggs in ten years' time? Still at the games? Still <laughs> fighting for it, or winning Masters, <laughs> or commentating, or what? Where are Where are you in ten years? Uh, I have no idea. Um, I was going to retire from CrossFit three years ago and I'm still I'm I remember still doing the conversation, it. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I try not to think about it too much. While I'm still loving it and I'm still competitive, then I'm going to still keep doing it. Yeah. So you haven't got any sort of huge plans to go into business or do anything else like that? You're just, just taking each day as it comes and enjoying it? Yeah, I have a few things that are ticking over, like part owner in the the gym and uh, things like that so I have a few ventures that aren't massive at the moment so they don't take up like too much of my time at the moment but there's potential there when CrossFit doesn't require my attention 24-7 I can then invest more interest into those projects. Will we ever see Sam Briggs the coach? Uh, I enjoy coaching I just don't know if I have the patience to be a, a, a good coach, unless unless they're a good athlete and then it's easy. <laughs> they're doing it for themselves, yeah. <laughs> That's very honest. Um, who's your, like a life example and a sort of in for sport example? Who, who are your role models? Who do you sit back and sort of like and, and enjoy and think that that's someone I aspire to or I get something from from that person? Uh, I think sport-wise, I've always uh, been more interested in uh, like track and field athletes. Uh, I just love watching the Olympics and especially like the heptathlon. And I think that's probably the closest um, like Olympic sport to kind of what we do. They have to train for uh, multi-disciplines multi and it's always been something that I've enjoyed watching and um, definitely like sporting inspirations uh, for that and and a lot of those athletes have to perform without big money incentives yeah. and it's just good to see that you can get to the level that you are and be motivated to go and train just like we do so I like I definitely um, look up to a lot of the, the Olympic athletes uh, in life then it would have to be like looking at my like grandma and my mum my, my grandma still goes to the gym twice a week really uh, my mum lives on a huge hill and twice a day my grandma walks down that hill walks the dog walks back up the hill and she's rocking it in her 80s so it's like if I can still be doing that when I'm that old then are they competitive is that where you get the if you've grown up competitive have they always sort of have you competed a lot as a, as a child was it always sort of Christmas was it who wins Monopoly or is it more for, for fun or um, I, I would say that they, they are all competitive but they've never been competitive against me but I can see their competitive natures 
Uh, one of the examples that like really stands out is uh, when me and my brother wanted to start karate. Um, my mom and her friend took uh, me and my brother and then her friend's two kids to karate and they ended up joining because they'd really? just be sat for the hour and the instructor talked them into joining. And my mum actually went all the way. And uh, I can't remember if she got a brown belt or even actually went for a black belt, but really? uh, she ended up starting competing and she she was probably uh, late, late 30s, like towards the the 40 age and she was fighting 18 year olds and brilliant i remember her winning a medal and having to stop because she was a bank manager and then having to go into work with a black eye and (laughs) trying to explain it to uh, customers coming in to get their mortgage yeah so for somebody who never wanted to do a sport they must be pretty competitive yeah. to yeah. go through all the gradings and then start fighting against people that are half their age. And the dedication of it as well. No, it's, definitely. Yeah, it's incredible. So, your siblings, you are how many? You uh, I have one brother, one younger. Brother. One younger brother. Um, did you fight a lot growing up? Yeah, we were probably pretty competitive against each other. Yeah. yeah. So we'd be really good together and also pretty fiery with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I can still. My brother is the only person. I love him dearly, of course, but he's still the only person that I can actually have a fight with now, um, and he's the only person that can that can wind me up. So, uh, so I know growing up with that sort of sibling. So, do you do you play a lot of sport together as kids? Do you would you compete in football and all sorts of things? Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, where we used to live, the, there were quite a few uh, kids our age, and it would always be on an evening we'd be playing football, roller hockey. Bulldogs charge, anything it'd be. What's Bulldogs charge? You've got somebody stood in the middle and everybody charges at them and they've got to tackle them. <laughs> so you're playing that on concrete, obviously? I oh, know, we'd, we'd pick somebody's lawn that we'd start tearing up. It'd be a different lawn each night. <laughs> so everybody starts at one side and then the person in the middle shouts Bulldog, right? Yeah. And then they run and they've got to get to the other side. Yeah, and that poor person in the middle has to try to tackle somebody down and then there's two people then in the middle everybody runs until there's only one left and, and then the last person left starts in the middle next time or yeah how does that I work? think so I remember playing it as a kid as yeah. well um, we used to play rugby that, that, we used to call that rugby bulldog where you had to tackle right. and then we had tag bulldog where you just had to tag them um, so Sam you are um, you've got a bet and uh, you need to win the CrossFit Games as a team and uh, you're obviously one of the female athletes in the old format um, and it's old new and, new and present uh, CrossFit athletes you've got to pick another female for your team and two guys uh, who are they what's your team so are we saying the, the, the like current athletes that are in circulation any, any, any kind of any from, from old new you've got to pick a team you're going, to, you're going to pick two teams actually one's going to be I want to win and the other one's going to be I'm going to have the most fun at a competition which are the what, what, what teams do you pick okay I'm going to win right so obviously Tia's the reigning champ so put her in my team um, as far as winning then Rich has got the, the best track record so bring him in for for the team and who'd go with him that's a hard one mm. 
he worked well with Herberg, so, um, with James Harbert, sorry. So, so that's your team to win. And then the team you're going to have the most fun with. It's just going to be a blast from start to finish. Uh, you probably end up winning anyway, but just to have fun, what would be your team? We've got Dan Bailey, because I've always promised that I would do a team competition with him. Uh, and then I would have to pick Adrian Mundwalder because he's my partner in crime for the Swiss Alpine. So I'd have to have him. And him who's, the, who's the girl? That's the hard one. Uh, so we're going to go have fun and we're wanting to win. Yeah, I mean, I think we're yeah. yeah, going to get close anyway with the team you've already got. We'll put Sarah in there. With Sarah, okay. Yeah. So which athlete can um, positively fire you up? So which athlete, if you know, you know, Jouse's program do a day from hell and um, it's, a, it's a huge workout and you just need, need someone by you. Do you have a sort of a training partner or someone you go, I want to do that? Or does it depend on what type of workout you're going to be doing, who you'd like to have next to you? Is it better with a male or not so competitive with a female or, or, or what would it be? Uh, I don't think that it makes a difference whether it's male or female. Um, I don't tend to like, put a lot of pressure on myself in, in that way. Um, I'd still want to try and win whether it's male or female. <laughs> uh, I have good training sessions with Emma McQuaid. I think I think we do we do good together. We've got some similar aspects, but then we're also very different in other aspects, and we tend to have fun when we're training together. So, regardless of what it is, um, that'd probably be. It'll probably be a good day. So, you like a practical joke, don't you? Yes. Do you have any um, stories, good CrossFit practical joke stories that we could share? Uh, that you're allowed to share on air? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, a, few, a few times when we're doing competitions and stuff, we'll play, um, we'll play a game like who can foot a bomb the, the most. So you'll pick you'll pick an athlete, and say we say we chose Camille. Then it'd be who can photo bomb the most of Camille's photos. So then you're always on the lookout of when a fan's going uh, to go get a photo with Camille, and you've got to try and pull a funny face or get behind her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Sam, thanks very much for coming by. It was no problem at all. That was the fastest thirty minutes ever really <laughs> that's nice then um, yeah we really appreciate your time and um, hope the listeners enjoyed uh, an informal chat um, and hopefully you'll come back and join us again one time no problem thanks for having me bye bye